So when I said, by show of hands, how many have some kind of random and pre-employment drug screening program? Over half raised their hand and I said, how many still have drug issues? And almost the same amount of hands went up again. It's mind-blowing to think maybe the old tactics aren't working. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with Dr. Amanda Burke from Town Hall 2. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do at Town Hall 2. Yeah, so I'm in the prevention department at Town Hall 2. I go into the community and I give presentations on alcohol, other drugs, and problem gambling. And I also do many drug-free workplace trainings as well. Awesome. So you just did a great presentation for us at the Safety Council called The Effects of Drugs in the Workplace. So from your experience, can you recap some of those trends that you see the last couple of years, especially regarding the drugs at work? Yeah, so one of the big things to consider is that we oftentimes consider drug use to be a personal issue or an issue that isn't related to the workplace. But statistics show that 70% of the over 14 million people who use illegal drugs are actually employed. They are in the workplace, they are working. So it does make it a workplace issue. Absolutely. Think about that. 70%. 70% of people with substance abuse addiction issues, right, are actually in the workplace actively working. So this is an absolute employment issue. Yeah, and they don't actually have to even have a substance use disorder. The stat includes individuals who abuse illegal drugs, which also includes individuals with substance use disorders. So they could be using meth or cocaine or heroin and not have a substance use disorder. And then you also have those who do have that addiction as well. You know, we talked about for your presentation today, talked at the end of it as well, is there's a huge disconnect with employers. The main thinking seems to be, well, if I do pre-employment drug screening, if I do random tests, I'm not going to have a drug issue. But what's funny is we actually surveyed the members, we had 114 people attend a luncheon today. So when I said, by show of hands, how many have some kind of random and pre-employment drug screening program? Over half raised their hand and I said, how many still have drug issues? And almost the same amount of hands went up again. And it's mind-blowing to think maybe the old tactics aren't working. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to consider the issue of drugs from a whole different perspective. We've kind of gotten into the space where we've ultimately dehumanized the issue. And that has kind of led to compartmentalizing our agencies. And ultimately, we, we see that as we drug test and that's it. We've done our role. But we also have in that mix humans who work for us and in our agencies who we need to find a way to better serve as well as help to protect our agencies conversely with that. Right. Absolutely. There has to be a thing where we learn how to re-engage our workforce. We can't just put up barriers to employment and say we're still not going to have an issue because the people that try that are still having drug issues at work. So getting back to the statistics, there was a 39% increase from 2016 of, of June going into June of 2017. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, yeah. So that was actually related to overdose deaths in Ohio. Uh, so Ohio overdose deaths have actually increased. Over the year, we're at we're at a record high for losses, uh, according to the most current statistics that I could find. And a lot of that is directly related to opioids. But the issue is that overdose is not the first, it generally doesn't occur with the first use, it can. But overdoses are happening generally because there's repeated use, which means that those individuals, if they're employed, are in the workplace. Which means that we have these huge numbers of individuals who aren't being served. And ultimately, maybe struggling within the workplace, and we haven't done anything or put anything in place to help protect them, which could prevent some of those overdose deaths that we're experiencing. Yeah, recently we actually had a safety council member, a manufacturing company that had an overdose death on site. 
And there were some issues. They did find some, you know, some powder substance and different things that they believe was heroin. And uh, called the police and there was some miscommunication. Trying to figure out where to go. And they kind of reached out, tried to point them in the right direction. I know the Portage County Health District came in and did some Narcan training they're very thankful for. But we asked today, by show of hands, how many of you do some kind of drug training? Like, you know, Narcan in the workplace. Something similar that's going to help employees or create awareness or even what you did today with the warning signs and different things. And I saw maybe two hands go up out of 114 people. That's an indication if we have this problem, we're not really hitting it with that training issue. Going into the stats again, there was a positive note. We have a decrease in actually heroin-related overdoses, which is really good. They've actually ultimately stabilized and in many cases have decreased. The issue is, though, that we have an increase in fentanyl-related deaths. So we are making better decisions and related to not using heroin, uh, but many individuals have shifted their use to meth and cocaine, and that drug can be adulterated with fentanyl, which is leading to a lot of overdoses. Also, we've seen a decrease in prescription medication-related deaths. That's partly related to policy changes, specifically right. for acute care issues. Right. Yeah, we've seen that. And we're seeing that impact. That's positive. And it's kind of funny when you think about like trends. I think of Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good bell, book. The bell-shaped <laughs> curve. So it seemed yes. kind of like heroin has kind of hit the peak and it, it's going down the other end. You know, but unfortunately with drugs, usually when that happens, something else is on the rise and it's, we're seeing it with fentanyl. And is there a comeback with meth? Yeah. So the drug use always cycles and not just use, but also in popularity. So if you look to history, drug use with heroin was popular in the 70s, but in a different fashion than it is popular today. You have meth that was popular in, in the 90s going into the 2000s and that transition. So we always have this transition in drug-related usage. What we're kind of seeing is that people are living with addiction or they're experimenting with certain drugs. In most cases, these individuals have transitioned from their medical use and have lost access. And that has led to some issues with the street usage of prescription pills as well as heroin. But so what we're seeing is that people are realizing that these drugs aren't safe. And so they're trying a different method for getting intoxicated. And that's now meth and cocaine. And especially in southern Ohio, they've seen an increase for quite a while now. And we're actually seeing it in Portage County as well in the drugs that are being seized. Now, there's still many deaths from heroin. It's not an issue at all that's resolved. We still have to address our opioid issue. But we are we have seen some decreases, which is great. But we still have a lot of people that need assistance, that need outreach, for sure. Now, you said something to begin this interview that I thought was really interesting. You talked about overdoses are typically tied to, you know, continued use over a period of time. So that would tell me, I'm just thinking logically now and making a connection. It seems reasonable to me then the overdose deaths that we see at work we have a lot of opportunity to prevent those because it's not a first-time user. This is a chronic issue, right? Or uh, I don't know if I'm using the right language, but it's a continued issue. So if we can recognize it early, we can, one, save the employee. We may save a life, and we're, we're going to definitely save ourselves on workers' comp cost and any kind of liability claims, and especially if that person is coming and using, operating a tow motor, some kind of heavy machinery that can put other employees at risk, et cetera. Yeah, so if we look at statistics, the majority of overdose deaths aren't from a single first-time use. It comes from a person who had been using previously. Now, that doesn't mean that a first-time use can't lead to an overdose. It simply means that the majority of overdose-related deaths aren't from a first-time use. So that means that that person has been using previously, and yes, that could be in the workplace. So even providing education or a helpline number, letting people know, hey, we see you, we care about you, is a great way to kind of interject. And also, you can see people struggling in the workplace as well before the issue gets worse. 
So we have to consider that idea that perhaps drug use hasn't even started yet. And there are many different ways that we can support people hoping to prevent overdose-related deaths. Absolutely. I like it. And you also mentioned part of your presentation was on medical marijuana in the workplace. Now, that always gets people excited and stirred up, depending <laughs> on what side of the issue you're on. You kept a real professional, so thank you very much. Uh, thank but, you. But th- it brings up a couple of questions. The, the big questions that we typically hear a lot is there seems to be a lack of clarity, at least a couple of years since it's been legalized in Ohio, and we don't need to get in the in dispensaries or anything like that. But what if you kind of cover some things that are written into law that may not be coming out? So if I'm an employer and medical marijuana is legal and I have some employees that are on medical marijuana for use. What are things am I looking at? What kind of liability issues? Do I have to give them an exception of my drug enforcement policy? Uh, how does that work with drug testing? If there's like a tow motor accident, can I still drug test them and hold them accountable due to the accident, even if they have some kind of medical use or medical card for that? Yeah. So the policy is actually very explicit in workplace usage of medical marijuana, which actually makes it pretty easy for employers. And in fact, it's very employer friendly. So this is how it's set up currently. Big thing is that employers actually do not have to permit medical marijuana usage, even if a person has a legitimate recommendation from a legitimate certified physician. The big thing also is that there, there don't need to be any accommodations related to that usage. So ultimately, this new law doesn't actually impact the workplace in the same way that people might think. Employers can continue to do their policies as is. The big thing to consider is that you need to also have the clause from marijuana recreationally as well as medicinally. With it, that you can still drug test individuals if they test positive for marijuana. They can still be fired if that's appropriate. They can also be denied a hire as well if they test positive. It's the agency's policy that really will dictate what the agency is allowed to do, but it's employer-friendly ultimately. They can't get sued for denying someone employment, testing positive, whether that's for medical or recreational. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's actually written into the law that employees are not allowed to sue employers for being fired because of testing positive for marijuana, as well as they're not allowed to sue for not being hired because of testing positive for marijuana usage. So it's directly written into the law. Yeah, so there could be a lot of fears there for employers, like, what's this? But the law is pretty explicit, you said, in there, so that's good news. Yeah, since it's a Schedule One substance, that's a big deal to consider because it is still federally illegal, which that can dictate a lot of policies specifically for uh, employers that may receive any type of federal funding. Yeah, with that, the big thing really is that you have to determine if you think it's appropriate for your employees to use medical marijuana and have a very explicit policy as well that they have access to. It's still a just cause firing state. Everything pretty much stands the same. It is not covered by insurance. There is no FMLA changes. There is no changes to workers' compensation. If medical marijuana was the result, was the cause of the actual accident, then that claim would be denied. Even if the medical marijuana was a legitimate recommendation, it's also not approved through ADA. You have to make accommodations for the employee and their condition, but not for the usage of medical marijuana. That includes letting them use it. So usage, possession, and distribution, none of that needs to be permitted on the workplace. It needs to be included in your policy, however, as to what you want to do. So that's a big point to make is update your policy, the specific language about marijuana and medical marijuana versus recreational marijuana. Absolutely. I would encourage all employers to visit the Medical Marijuana Control Program website, look at all of the information there, and then also speak to your legal counsel about how you should alter your drug use policy if you don't already include medical marijuana and recreational marijuana usage within it. 
So thinking about your presentation today, what's one takeaway? In considering drugs in the workplace, we ultimately protect ourselves, the agency, but we have an opportunity as well to protect our employees and prevent problems from resulting or minimize the harm of issues. So workplaces are a great resource location. We don't think about that often, but a workplace can be a great supporting agency for individuals who are using drugs or who may be struggling with their usage. Well, the big thing I would say is that you can't deny the fact that drugs are in the workplace. They are. <laughs> and one out of 11 people who come for a job application are going to fail a drug test right from the start. We have to really consider that. We also have to think about the human behind the usage and understand that assisting a person through a possible addiction or drug use is ultimately more cost effective and more of a humanistic point as opposed to firing someone and trying to forget about that problem. Problem meaning a person's drug use, not problem meaning the person. Big thing it really is that employers need to protect themselves, but employers also need to protect their employees. And to protect them, you need to consider drugs in the workplace and how you can educate as well as provide appropriate resources and outlets for those employees who may be using drugs. There are some counties like Jalga County which I thought was real interesting, which have started employer resource networks where the employer can sign up for this. A resource coordinator will come out on site and just talk about just almost like a book fair or an expo that maybe set a table up or they'll be in an office set aside by the employer. Maybe they'll come for an hour a week and just be there for any employee that's maybe struggling with any kind of family issues, financial issues, addiction issues, to be able to refer them out to services that already exist out there in the community. So I'd like to see employers, you know, have some interest in that and maybe move in that direction. Portage County, we're really blessed with services. We have family and community services. You work for Town Hall too. We have Coleman Professional Services. We have the Portage County Health District. A lot of people think they're just going to come, write us tickets for not being clean in the restaurant. But they do so much more. They offer immunizations, Narcan training. Most of these services are free. Different funding sources provide these services. But employers don't think about bringing them on site. It's usually more like a private life thing. But that could be a tremendous resource. So if someone wants to reach out to you at Town Hall 2 or some of the services that you guys have available, how do they contact Town Hall 2? Uh, yeah, so you can call our main number, 330-678-3006. And you can ask for anyone. You can ask for a prevention department. Say that you have interest in an educational session being provided to your employees. And ultimately, they will connect you with the appropriate source. And then we will contact you back and let you know if that's within our scope. And we will schedule a time and suit that presentation to your needs and to the individuals who would be serving. All right. Talk to Amanda Burke, Town Hall 2. Thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.